Welcome to Tour de Dong, a podcast. Come along as we probe our way through the art of on-screen peen. This episode contains language, topics, and content not suitable for work or children. It may also contain movie spoilers. Listen responsibly. titled Romancing the Bone. Today we will focus on movies and the romantic ramrods that fall into the genre and subgenres of romance. Thank you for listening. I'm Molly. And I'm Amy. We are here to spread the love of peen. DTD down to dong. Down to dong! In our first episode, Dawn of the Dong, we covered why cinematic shows are on the docket for the next year, but we're going to beat it straight to the meat in this episode, so here we go. I would like to start by saying that romance, romance, romance. is my least favorite genre of film, which also means it's the genre I know the least about, so I was dreading everything, like everything about this episode, watching the movie, like everything, talking about love, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I personally think our definition of love changes a million times throughout our lives. Amy, I appreciate you so much because you read a lot of romance books and you often share the plot of those stories with me and all the romantic movies that you, all the rom-coms that you watch. Amy and I have a real life segment called Thanks for Watching That So I Don't Have To. I love your love for love. (laughs) Amy, what is your favorite kind of love? As you know, and anyone who has been in a conversation with me for more than maybe like 15 minutes, knows that I am a big fan of queer love. Straight people have had years upon 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 years of their stories being told. Only more recently have queer love stories come to the forefront of movies, books, etc. I especially love it when they get to have a happily ever after moment, which... Also is not a reoccurring theme. Usually someone dies or they're ripped apart or they're not allowed to be their true authentic selves. I think that kind of like started when I was like 15 and I saw But I'm a Cheerleader. I like learned that I was like, yeah, I would smooch them. And it was lovely and it opened my heart to queer love. I read schmoopy, stupid little stories about boys who love boys in all different ways. Sometimes they're cake decorators. Sometimes they're running for student council Sometimes it's the queen's son and the vice president's son and they fall in love. I read trans love. I read it all. I do dabble in some straight love too. It's it's there. So you've mentioned, but I'm a cheerleader. Do you have yes. other go-to romance movies? Oh, I do. Uh, the Truth About Cats and Dogs. I remember liking that. I loved it because I was like, I'm a Janine Garofalo. I'm a gruff, nobody is ever going to find me appealing oh. lady who then gets like a really hot guy with a really hot accent that's like, no, I don't want to feed cheesecake to Uma Thurman. I want to listen to you play your violin and talk about putting your thumb up a dog's butt. I was like, that's love. I also have The Object of My Affection, which is a Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston, but Paul Rudd is gay. They get to the point where they're like, our friendship is our love. 
and it's beautiful. Thanks for watching that so I don't have to. It's so good. <laughs> Molly, I know you're not a big fan of romance. What is your favorite romantic movie? The Terminator. And I think anyone who's ever talked to me for more than 15 minutes knows that too. The Terminator is the most romantic love story of all time. Get it? All time. <laughs> John Connor gave me a picture of you once. I didn't know why at the time. It was very old. Torn. Faded. You were young like you are now. You seemed just a little sad. I used to always wonder what you were thinking at that moment. I memorized every line. Every curve. I came across time for you, Sarah. I love you. I always have. When that picture is taken that he's talking about, she is thinking about him and how she didn't have much time with him, but that the time they did have, they loved a lifetime's work. Like, that shit makes me mushy, okay? Aww. And I also love the fact that, like, this Kyle Reese character was, like, attracted to strong, powerful women. She was this badass legend woman. He fell in love with her legend. Yeah. And I just, like, yes, thank you. Yeah. That's what we women need. Right. He's a champion. A champion for strong ladies. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. I get it. I know you do. It's been one of the great honors of my life to write an essay about this topic for Birth Movies Death and it's still on their website, Aww. and I have said all I need to say in that essay, The Terminator is is it for me, which is why I'm single, I think. Where can we find that essay again, Molly? Birthmoviesdeath.com. Oh, wonderful. I met Michael Bain, and I told him this, and he was like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> and then he signed an action figure I have of him. <laughs> And we almost get to see their peens. They show up naked, but we do get to see Arnold's butt. It's true. <laughs> he just walks around with this big old muscular butt. Is it even big, though? I feel like it kind of tapers. Like, I feel like it has a little bit of a small butt. I don't know. I, th I always thought it was very, like, proportionate and no. kind of bubbly. At the top, oh. anyway. But you know what? You might be right. <laughs> like Hank Hill. Like, it gets a taper. I need to rewatch. <laughs> My standards were set. When I was very young. And anything less than a Kyle Reese love story, I'm just, uh, no thanks. I don't want to pick up after you. <laughs> I love it. Before we start our first deep dick dive, we want to spread open the conversation to you, dear listener. We want to hear about your favorite romance film, peen or not. Call us. Leave us a voicemail. Tell us about the romance movie you saw and how it made you feel. Did it change your life? The number is 402-807-3080. We might even feature the message in an upcoming episode. Talk to us about duck. Talk to us about your midnight meat train. Your hammer of Thor. <laughs> <laughs> your dingus. Your Chuck Dickens. Your pork sword. Your Krull, the warrior king. <laughs> or maybe your pud. I like that one. Pud. Just pulling pud. My grandpa always called it his Peter, Peter. And he'd always ask people if they'd met Peter. Oh my god. Grandpa. <laughs> and it set me up for this podcast. I grew up <laughs> on dick jokes. The first film we're diving into uses eroticism as a weapon. It takes us out of that erotic thriller genre we dove into in episode one into simply erotic. Roger Ebert of Siskel and Ebert 
thought one scene from this film was the most erotic he had ever seen. I think Damage is a real special film. I think it's really special too. This is one of the most compelling films I've ever seen about eroticism. Yes. And I want to talk about one scene. That scene where they're simply looking at each other and the silence grows and grows is one of the most erotic scenes I've ever well, seen in a movie. And now we know Ebert is really into edgy. <laughs> that was his most erotic moment. Not the fucking, just the eye contact. <coughs> Whoever pulls your pud, I guess. <laughs> Let's set up the peen scene, peen scene, peen scene. Setting up the peen scene. Whose peen is it? A man follows his instincts up a circular staircase with men working all around to a top floor apartment. He's nervous, going slowly like in a dream. He reaches for the door labeled with the letter M and hesitates when he hears something beyond the door that might confirm his worst fears. He opens the door and sees entangled flesh on a bed. In the movement of arms, legs, and ass, he sees his fiancée's dark features, and they lock eyes. She goes still, the lanky figure thrusting on top of her turns, and the man sees his father like he's never seen him before. Shocked, he backs up, not believing his eyes. He falls backward over the banister, plunging to his death many floors below. His father leaps off the bed and runs all the way down the circular staircase naked, peen flopping and bounding and slapping. He holds his son's bloody body and feels all the feelings as the men stop working to stare in silence. We just saw a penis. We just saw a penis. We just saw a penis. I wonder who it's from. The grief-stricken gherkin belongs to Scar Daddy himself. You won't get a shit without me! The 1992 erotic obsession flick Damage was based on the novel by Josephine Hart. A husband, father, and massive member of parliament is on his way to being the next prime minister played by Jeremy Irons. He meets and I fucks a French girl at an event. That woman is Anna, played by Juliette Binoche and turns out to be his adult son Martin's girlfriend. He doesn't care. She doesn't care. They fuck. They fuck a lot. They even talk to each other after they fuck. Remember, parents people are dangerous. You know they can survive. Miranda Richardson plays the amazing and unsuspecting wife of Jeremy Irons. He becomes obsessed. He just mopes around thinking about her. He smokes cigarettes in the bathtub. He tells her he wants to give up his whole life to be with her. But she wants nothing of the sort. She wants the obsession. She wants the dangerous secrecy. Anna ups the stakes by getting engaged to his son Martin, played by Rupert Graves, at a family event. It gets so dangerous that she gives him a sad blowjob at a family function immediately following the announcement of her engagement to his son and the tween daughter Sally, she saw it all. Peter Stormare makes an appearance as someone from Anna's dangerous past. Anna's mother is played by Leslie Karen. She swoops in, drops some bombshells, such as Anna's fiance looks exactly like her dead brother that killed himself because he was obsessed with her as well. And she knows that Anna is fucking her soon-to-be father-in-law. She probably even knows they fuck without condoms. She doesn't expose them. Eventually, they are exposed, as described, and the damage they cause is fatal. 
Jeremy's Iron makes its appearance one hour and 32 minutes into the movie. The total runtime is an hour 51, so you gotta watch till the end to get that peen. The purpose of the peen in this scene is one word. Exposed. Indeed. According to IMDb, Jeremy regretted the nudity. He thought the audience was focusing on the wrong thing rather than taking the scene seriously, but I couldn't find him talking about his nudity anywhere in an interview or on video, and I, and I dug right into there. I know. And I, I mean, he's kind of correct. I mean, I should have been like, oh, your son. But I was like, yeah. oh, there's your dick. <laughs> but also, maybe you should have been fucking your son's fiance. Maybe not. Apparently, the movie was originally rated NC-17. And the director, well, I'll let him say it. You had a battle with the censors on this thing. They gave you an NC-17. And you said at that point, I'll never cut this film. And I did. And you did. But shame on me. Shame on you. Well, Seven you know, seconds you cut, right? Yeah, and they accepted the the chance and uh, gave us an R. They used to call it X, which yeah. means, uh, you know, this is pornography. Right. I don't think the damage has anything to do with pornography. Yeah. Yes, there's a taboo on nudity, where it seems like violence is completely uh, acceptable. According to IMDb again, Variety said that the film was unjustly famous before its release for its hardly extraordinary erotic content. Extraordinary erotic <laughs> content. Oh. All right, Molly, set us up with yours. Okay, I have a visualization exercise, so Amy, you can close your eyes. Imagine Jeremy Irons, okay, holding Juliette Binoche's torso, like her ribcage right under her armpits. She's dead weight, and he's flinging her around, so she looks like a wacky inflatable man, and they're naked, and they're fucking... What the fuck? This movie is why we have intimacy coaches and choreographers, and we have respect on sets for each other's processes, because Juliet had to deal with being in this movie with none of those things. Right. Amy, do you have a, a scene you'd like us... You, do you want to paint a picture of yours? I do, I do. So I want you to picture two Weeble Wobbles. Weeble Wobbles, they Weeble Wobble, but they don't fall down, the little play toys. If they had arms and they could hold each other. Because at one point, they are genital to genital, holding each other and just wing-wang, flobbing around and <laughs> going around like one of those like clowns you punch and it pops back up. But it's two of them and they're holding each other. <laughs> And fucking that way, on the floor, ass bones on wooden floor, just wibble wobbling, and somehow they're both enjoying it, and then I think he comes, and she's just like, uh-huh. Like, at no point do we ever see her actually, like, orgasm, like, actively. None of this was sexual. I was cracking up more than I was aroused. Yeah. We have a list of the things that we didn't like about this movie, with that being number one, is that it was not erotic. No! It wasn't even hardly extraordinary. It was bad. And he was always groping her face, like, hard with his hands. Yeah. And I was like, no, sir, please don't. I don't like that. And then there was this moment before the big reveal of the damage where they're, like, having a meal and, like, saucy music starts to play. And I'm like, if you fucking put food anywhere while you're fucking, I will vomit. <laughs> like, don't do it. I will not. I have. I. Mm -mm. Food and fucking. Food and genitals. Food and sex. No, thank you. I don't want it. No. We all know from the first episode I like myself an armpit. 
Mm. Jeremy Irons does not have good pits. Oh. They are they are weak little pits. Okay. The hair was sparse. I don't think it would smell good. I don't think Jeremy Irons smells good. He really liked Juliet's pits in this movie. He did. He like got up in them. Yeah. But then I'm also like Juliette Binoche is French. Mm-hmm. And French women do not shave their armpits because it's not like a social thing. Right. Where was the pit hair, Juliet? Yeah, it was Where? bare. Naked little huh. pits. Yeah. Right. Martin, the son who is yes. actually engaged to her in, in the actual relationship, at one point says that he wants to be with Anna because she's sad and interesting. It's called depression, Martin. Yeah. It's called depression, and he feels better about himself because she's depressed. What a guy. What a guy. <laughs> what a fiancé. Also, at that family function that they announced their engagement, the granddad was totally hitting on her, like, hands on her legs. She could have fucked all three generations. 100%. Could have done it. I think if she would have married, if her fiancé wouldn't have died, I think at one point she would have just been making a rotation through the family. Seriously. And then I hope the wife at least got some action in the end, because, like, no one was fucking her and she deserved it. I Yeah, they didn't ever show those two fucking, like, no. if they had a sex life at all. No, and she even said, like, at points, she was like, your power is a turn-on to me. Like, she's telling him, yeah. like, I am turned on by the fact you are doing shit in Parliament. I don't know why, but whatever. Well, he and was on, like, the track to be the next prime minister yeah and she was like telling him like in a nightgown and he's like cool story bro well i think it's because jeremy irons doesn't like women who participate in sex because something else i didn't like is that anna was flopping no expression on her face absolutely nothing like a doll again not erotic no and it was was just a bad ending it's like a tragic bad ending i mean the movie's called damage so i get it and like yeah if you're fucking your son's fiance we're gonna have a bad ending right Nothing good will come from this. No. But he has himself a little monologue. I need to hear Jeremy Irons' voice, so let's do this. What really makes us is beyond grasping. It's way beyond knowing. We give in to love because it gives us some sense of what is unknowable. Nothing else matters. Not at the end. David Thewlis has a cameo role as a detective in this movie. He's in the movie for like one second. And he's young. It's 92. So like, David Thewlis gets naked. We will talk to you about that penis. We will. I found an article that says a limited series on Netflix filmed last year with Richard Armitage as our massive member of parliament. Like they're bringing damage back. Richard Armitage also has an amazing voice. He was in Castlevania. I absolutely love Castlevania. Love it. Like, every one of those voice actors can just take me. (laughs) And Peter, who was in this movie, played Godbrand in Castlevania with Richard Armitage. So weird tie-in. I hope they hire an intimacy coordinator, and I hope there's peen. But I probably won't have Netflix by then, because they just keep raising their prices. Indeed. Hey, Netflix. Fuck off. And maybe put peen in things so we want to pay for it. Yeah. Give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. We have introduced a segment for this episode. We want to talk about our favorite steamy love scenes where peen is not included, and that's okay. These scenes are steamy, peen not included. Steamy, steamy peen not, not included. 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 Steamy, 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 peen not included. <laughs> <laughs> love it. All right, Molly, kick us off. Terminator, I'm going to just say it. That love scene, let me let me just play the music for you real quick to set this up. Mm. Mm, Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor. God, that sex scene, you know the, the hands? The hands, and then they like release when the music releases. <laughs> and they came at the same time, and you know it. You just know it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay, next one. 
Crybaby, 1990, Johnny Depp and Amy Locaine. Cherry, cherry. Kiss me, kiss me hard. I've never given a French kiss before. Watch, it's easy. You just open your mouth. And I open mine. We wiggle our tongues together. Oh, yeah! Real sexy. <laughs> I won't get mononucleosis, will I? Yes. Oh, Allison, just try it. If you don't like it, I promise I'll stop. And then it goes into the montage of everybody else just tongue on tongue on tongue on tongue. And I remember being, you know, 12 and being like, whoa, I don't know if I'd ever seen tongue like that. And it, and it made me horny. Aww. Yeah. That's wonder That's so wholesome. PG horny. PG horny. I mean, Crybaby, Johnny Depp was the peak of hot in that he movie. Was. My God. Ugh. Yeah. How about you? How about you? Give me some. All right, so we're going to do a double Timothy Chalamet. So we have Call Me By Your Name, which does have some creep factor age stuff. I read the book, and there's a peach that Timothy Chalamet fucks. What? Yes. He is horny laying in bed, and he looks at that peach, and he's like, that peach is soft. I could fuck it. So he fucks the peach, and he comes in the peach, and then he takes a nap because he's so like, whoo, I fucked a peach. Army Hammer comes in, and in the movie, he jokes with him about eating the peach. And Timothy's like, no, I'm embarrassed. Don't eat my cum peach. But then in the book, he also was like, no, don't. I'm embarrassed. Don't eat my cum peach. And then Army Hammer is like, I'm going to eat your cum peach. And you're going to watch me eat your cum peach. You know, I can uh, eat a peach for hours. And he watches him eat the cum peach. Wow. I mean, I personally am not turned on by the cum peach but i feel like that is a necessary thing to talk about yeah and how many times i can say cum peach on this (laughs) podcast and then we have the 2022 bones and all yeah where again i'm like i didn't think i'd be turned on by cannibalism but like them being so turned on by the smell of flesh and the sounds they make i was like okay Okay, Army Hammer, I see what you're doing. I see you like that. Maybe I like that. Maybe I was a little too hard on you for being 100% a cannibal. Steamy. Steamy cannibalism. Thank you, Timothy Chalamet. Steamy. Peen not included. We're going to move on. You ready for the next peen scene? We are setting up the peen scene. Oh, what is other? The French might say the peenas. The peenas! I'm France. I'm French. <laughs> I am French, and I am here to tell you we are about to see a penis. Oh, Zutalo is a penis. Zutalo, the penis has come. Director Bernardo Bertolucci set up these three peen scenes with a backdrop of Paris in 1968. A Frenchman wearing only a spiffy green velvet blazer bops down a spiral staircase, flopping his wing-wang and looking through some garbage for food. A woman pulls a man's pants down. We see the tippity-tip from his perspective as it pops out of his likely smelly boxers, and she discovers a picture of 
herself in his underwear. It fills her with glee. He faints. Three people get out of one bathtub. Two peens and a bush. How do you say the word penis in French? In French, that's penis. Penis, pecker, prick. Le penis. Le penis. Le penis. Package. The peck of the peen. The pickle pecker. Speaking of brain. We're not speaking of brain. Yeah, your brain is your dick. If you want some brain, you want some head, you want some brain. Oh, gonna eat your brains and gain your knowledge. Swallow your cum and okay. learn the stuff. Okay. That's fucking gross, bro. So gross! All That's right. just giving men an opportunity to be like, well, sperm has wisdom in it. <laughs> I don't. I don't like that. I don't like that. I'm gonna tell you something you probably don't need to know. My favorite theater artist brain belongs to a person named Anne Bogart. She wrote a book called The Seven Essays on Art and Theater. It kind of blew my tiny mind. She lists the following things in her essay on passion, where she describes the archetypical romance relationship as the following. First, someone stops you in your tracks. Then you sense its energy and power. You feel drawn to it. It disorients you. You make first contact. It responds. You experience extended intercourse. You are changed irrevocably. That is basically the plot of our next film and every good romance story. The Dreamers is a romantic drama released in 2003 based on the book The Holy Innocence by Gilbert Adair, who also wrote the screenplay. An American student from San Diego, Matthew, played by Michael Pitt, comes to Paris in the late 1960s to study at university. He spends all of his time in the cinema and during a protest, he befriends culturally liberated twin brother and sister, Isabel and Teo, played by Ava Green and Louis Gallo. They quickly become inseparable, fall in love, and Matthew experiences a sexual uprising of his own, while a revolution and mountains of garbage grow larger on the streets of Paris. Movie scenes are spliced into the dreamers, making the film feel like a memory or a dream itself. Even the title sequence is an homage. In the end, a piece of the street is thrown through their window, interrupting their perfect bubble, and they join the protesters on the streets, where they must choose between violence and love. So I saw this movie when it came out, when I was a teenager. My mom did not put any restrictions on what I was allowed to rent. I was allowed to rent NC-17. Anything Voice. I wanted, I could go. And so, of course, this cover is very dreamy and beautiful with beautiful people on it. Yeah, Michael Pitt is shirtless on the cover. It's yeah. wonderful. I rented it, and then later I told people that I also was into French cinema, <laughs> and I also watched films, and I would quote things that they quoted from the movies they watched. Nice. And pretend that I also had watched those movies because... I was pretending to be a mysterious girl who enjoyed French films. A film buff. So I didn't actually see any of those movies, <laughs> and some of them I still have never seen. <laughs> but maybe there's people out in this world that are like, I used to know this girl, and she loved French cinema when she was a teenager. She was so mysterious. But uh, it wasn't. I just watched this movie and adapted their personalities. Were you not allowed to watch anything? Like, were you allowed to watch everything ever? My mom, I remember when I was younger, she like told me, if you're ever at your friend's house and their dad or somebody is watching RoboCop, you need to tell them you're not allowed to watch RoboCop. So my what? mom like drew the line at NC-17 violence, Oh. but she was like, 
sex stuff she's gonna learn anyway i also wasn't allowed to watch jerry springer because she thought it was below my intelligence and when i would be like sick at home or during the summer i would be like mom's gone i'm watching jerry (laughs) (laughs) the only thing i was not allowed to watch was the smurfs because i think my parents thought i was (laughs) stupid and that i would like very easily fall into a cult someday So they were like, no Smurfs, but we had every movie channel. Every movie channel. I could watch whatever the fuck I wanted, whenever the fuck I wanted to watch it. Or that's how it felt before, like, TiVo. Yeah. When cable was on, but we had, like, ten movie channels, so something nasty was gonna be on. Cable was your liberation. And my unlimited rental pass at my local video store was mine. Some of the scenes from this that, like, stick out in my brain is when they're running through the Louvre. Oh, yeah, like in that one movie. Yeah, that I can't tell you what I can't either! Then they have the wonderful goobble-gobble, we accept her, we accept her moment from Freaks. Yeah. It's so good. It's so cute. That I did later see, like, as an adult. It's beautiful and it's wonderful. It's a great film. One of my favorite parts. One day, Louis loses. They play this game all the way through, the Guess That Film game. And he loses, so he has to take a dare, and he is dared to whip his skippy in front of Isabel and Matthew, bowing down to a picture of Marlena Dietrich. Ava Green is so cool, she, like, takes sunglasses that are on the top of her head, puts them down over her face, reaches a feather duster out, tickles his butthole as he comes... Like, what? This movie. All right, Bertolucci. And we still need to remember, these are siblings. This is a sister watching her brother masturbate. And then Louis dares Matthew and Isabel, when they lose, to make love in front of him. And they do. They do. They do. They fuck all over the house. And before you know it, Ava Green's toes are in Michael Pitt's mouth. And he loves it. There were also, like, close-ups on her bush. Oh, yeah. In the same scene. Yeah. With the toes. Pubic hair in your face. So big. Like, it would have been bigger than my head if I went to see it in the movie theater. And this is a great depiction of a French woman's body hair. She had body hair, like a French woman would. There is so much bush and peen in this movie. Truly. A smorgasbord after damage only had one peen. One peen. And the purpose of all the peens and bush, one word again, liberation. Yeah. We lead up to the peen and experience it as Michael experiences it. Ava bears her soul, her entire body, her beautiful nipples as Venus de Milo. From the beginning of the movie, we almost see Michael Pitt's peen around like 12 minutes in because he pees in a sink. Molly, how do you feel about that I, pissing in the sink? I, why does why does he pee in the sink? I don't know if there were toilets in this movie because <laughs> multiple times he pees in the sink. <laughs> I would hope there's a toilet. In one scene, he actually like walks into their bathroom and looks around like, oh, where do I pee? And goes to the sink. Well, and in that scene, he knocks Teo's toothbrush uh, into the sink, pisses uh, on it. Rinses it off feebly, puts it back up. (laughs) And then the next morning, he's brushing his teeth and he's like, hey, bro, you want to use my toothbrush? And he's like, no, just use my fingy. It's fine. Yeah. Because he pissed on your toothbrush, Teo. It's time for a penis montage. Penis montage. Penis montage. Our penis montage starts at 32 minutes in. Ava does something a lot of people out there have thought about. She touches Michael Pitt's mouth. His mouth. She tries to put lipstick on him. The first peen is seen in the mirror at 32 minutes in. 
Whose peen? Her formerly conjoined twin brother's peen. Michael Pitt has white stuff all over his mouth. His, his mouth. While he's looking at the penis in the mirror, and she's putting lipstick on herself, so it's just peens and mouths. Peens and mouths. <laughs> Flash to 42 minutes. The boys take off their wet clothes together to be warm. Warm. <laughs> we see Louis peen again here. Again. He gives Matthew a little robe to wear. Mm. Matthew sniffs Teo's underwear. Underwear. He finds a picture of Teo's formerly conjoined twin sister in a swimsuit and stuffs it into his underwear. Underwear. Teo takes a three-penis tour. Before we see Michael Pitt's pound puppy 53 minutes into the film. The parents come back to a house that is out of this world dirty and smells so badly she has to open a door. So bad. They spy the tent in the living room and find all three teens naked in a pile. A pile of flesh. Louis' peen is visible in the pile. In the pile. The last one isn't peen, but it's worth discussing. Ava sits on Matthew's face. His face. But he does wipe his mouth after enjoying a moment. Indeed. Wetness was implied. That was a penis montage. Montage. We wish we could have included one more thing in that penis montage. In the book, there's a love scene between the two boys. Bertolucci didn't think the audience could handle it, so they didn't put it in the movie. I probably couldn't have handled it. I don't know if I would have been able to handle it. I may be deceased right now. We might not even be having this conversation. My tombstone would say, Amy saw two boys kiss in France and died. <laughs> oh wait, they made love. They made love. I would officially be dead. Gone. Dead. Ugh. Yeah. So I think the love was implied that it was a thruple of sorts. Yeah. An incestuous thruple, yes. In ways. Because she does say that she's never had sex with her brother. Oh, they true. S- they say out loud, like, we are in love, but we would never, we've never crossed that line. They do sleep together in the nude. Yes. Like, her underwear was on. Yes. When but they make it so that they're like, no, we're just in love with each other. But we haven't fucked because no. Right. But we will watch each other fuck other people. Yeah. I have a little clip to play. Okay. Um, it's Michael Pitt and Louis Gallo at like an opening of the movie. Uh, if, if you make my film, will you have sex with the actors on camera? And I said, no. <laughs> so I thought that I didn't uh, get the job. So uh, I stole all the alcohol in the uh, hotel, and then they told me I got the job. Me, I can tell you the same story. I met Fernando Vatucci uh, from Paris. He, he asked me, uh, are, you, are you ready to make uh, love with uh, an actor and an actress on the film? And I said, yes! <laughs> the reason I played that is because Bertolucci also directed The Last Tango in Paris. Did you ever see that? No, it involves food fucking. Oh, oh, okay. And I'm not into that. I didn't see it because of the whole Marlon Brando and Bertolucci were in the media for their treatment of Maria Schneider. Minutes before they filmed the, the rape scene that's in the script, 
Marlon Brando was like, I'm going to use this stick of butter to anally penetrate her. And Bertolucci was like, go for it. Wait, he actually anally penetrated her with the butter? Yes. Ugh! Yes. And, Ugh. They, and he was like 48 at the time. She was 19. It wasn't in the script. And she, like, they've all talked about it in the media. Like, she has said out loud, I should have had my lawyer or my agent come down, but I didn't know I could do that. I was afraid. It's Bertolucci and Marlon Brando. And Marlon Brando's like, it's fine. It's a movie. It's fine. And she's like, I cried real tears. This was super traumatic. She's had to go through therapy. It was awful. Listeners, awful. if you could see my face right now as I'm hearing this information, this is awful. Ugh. I thought it was girls because it was old Marlon Brando. I didn't know that the Butterloo was non-consensual. Non-consensual. Rose! Another reason why we have intimacy coordinators yeah. now and why consent is a huge deal. Right. We don't make rules unless somebody goes too far and right. hurts other people. Right. And these guys hurt other people. I even read things like like Jessica Chastain and Chris Evans have both spoken publicly about this situation. And Jessica Chastain is like, if you like that movie, I just want you to know you're watching a movie where a 48-year-old man rapes a 19-year-old woman. Oh. Just so you know. So go ahead and watch your fun movie. No. Fuck that movie. movie. Gross. Ew. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad I never watched that. Sorry to be a bummer. No, it's okay. We have to know these things. Yeah. Well, to lighten the mood, can we just talk about how fucking sexy Michael Pitt is? Oh my God. You know about his music career, right? No. Okay. I'm going to play this while we talk about how hot he is. Okay. Am I still going to think he's hot after I hear it? Maybe if you don't watch the music video. Okay, okay. Have you heard this dope new tune by Michael and the Twins of Evil that he made specifically for the Dreamers and it's featured in the soundtrack? He is a, a rock god as well as an actor. Did you know that? No. Um, he's also in the band Pagoda. There's a whole rabbit hole for anybody who doesn't know about this. You guys can go down that hole for me and then I don't have to go in that hole. I saw an issue of Backstage and it said, Pitt is never a stranger to issues of sexuality and on-screen nudity. And this is a quote from him. It's really easy to get an R rating if you're like sticking a gun in someone's head and blowing off their face, Pitt said. But if you show the human anatomy or anything to do with sex, they won't have it. I mean, in Rome, you have to be 14 to see this film. I think Bernardo said it best. An orgasm is better than a bomb. What a blessing. What a blessing. Actually, um, little fun tidbit about me, that when I first got an Instagram, I had a picture of him wearing a t-shirt that he wrote that on with Sharpie. It was like my second or third ever Instagram post. I've seen that photo. Because I was thirsty he for him. He looks hot. I first fell in love with him as Tommy Gnosis from Hedwig and the Angry Inch because Hedwig was so thirsty for him. Yeah. And it was obvious to see why. And then he has a chance to like redeem himself and he does it when he does. His lips are so pretty oh in that movie. Oh my god. Those lips. And his stupid way that he sings those songs it's not supposed to be better than Hedwig's, you no. know what I mean? No. But it's easy to see why it was commercialized. Like, he was yeah. the perfect Tommy Nopsis. Oh. What about Murder by Numbers? Were you thirsty for Murder by Numbers? I was, because that involved Michael Pitt and Ryan Gosling. Oh, yeah. And in my brain, there is a gay undertone to this. You have a reason. You told me about this. Well, I found this later. I didn't get, to, I didn't oh, get okay. this when I was young. My young brain still made the connection of, like, those two boys kiss. Mm -hmm. You cannot tell me mm -hmm. that those two boys who are going to murder by a number kiss. <laughs> they smooch. They smooch each other, right? 
But later, I did find this fan fiction website from when the movie originally came out that all these people made fan fiction. They also believed that those boys kissed and they made lots of stories about them kissing. And then some people also said that Ryan Gosling and Michael Pitt themselves kiss and like each other and love on each other and society couldn't handle these two boys' love. The love was sparked in the movie and then art imitated life or life imitated art or however that happened. And then they were torn apart because Hollywood could not handle their love. Was this in the tabloids? No, this is all fan fiction created by oh, teenage girls and boys. Did you read all of it? I've read all of these. Yes, I have. I love your love for love. Thank you. It's good. Thank you for reading all of that. Yeah. They come in each other a couple <gasps> times. Amy! <laughs> <laughs> Do they shout out numbers when they come? Five! Six! Oh! Coming by numbers. Four to five! <laughs> Are there any porn movies based on murder by numbers? Oh, I hope so. Murder oh by members? Murder by members! <laughs> the moment in The Dreamers that we can both agree is the sexiest Michael Pitt moment. Yeah. They're hungry. They're in Paris. Their parents are gone. They have no money. They're not going to school. They're just, like, naked in the apartment all the time. He's like, I'm gonna go get some food. And she's like, yeah, haha, good luck. He comes back with honey. And he's just licking honey off his fingers. Yeah. I mean, I am allergic to honey, but I would risk anaphylactic shock to have him stick his fingers in my mouth and suck the honey <laughs> from the tip of his fingers and then lick the honey off of those beautiful lips. And then he could stick his honey tongue in my mouth and then I might die. I might die. But then on my tombstone, it would say, Amy died doing what she loved. <laughs> Tongue fucking Michael Pitt's mouth. This is a full detailed fantasy that you've had multiple times. Yes? Yeah, give me botulism. It's fine. I'll take it. This movie is rated NC-17. Bertolucci would not cut any of the movie to get an R rating. And for that, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Bertolucci, for sticking to your meat guns. Pew, pew! And then you have the fact that, like, you scoured trying to find, like, press junkets, all these things. I did. And it didn't exist because in America, you cannot promote your NC-17 movie because our rating system is bullshit. Yeah. And even if you think about, you and I just saw Infinity Pool. Yeah. One scene had to be cut from this movie to keep it an R rating. The scene is ejaculation. But you can watch people's faces just getting pummeled. You can watch gore and blood and gunk. And it is fine. It is an R-rated movie, but you show ejaculation and all of a sudden it's NC-17. It's yeah. vulgar. Same with this movie. Nothing in this movie is vulgar. The mm -hmm. nudity is pretty warranted. And still they were like, mm, it's pornography. Right. And they give it an NC-17 rating. And that's my rant about NC-17 rating. To counter your rant, we yes. have a celebration. In that vein, at this time, we would like to give a shout out to Ryan Gosling, a comrade to Cunnilingus. Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams stunned in the critically acclaimed drama Blue Valentine about the dissolution of a couple's marriage. The film originally received an NC-17 rating because of a scene where Gosling's character performs oral sex on Williams' character. But Gosling called out the MPAA for sexism and misogyny, saying that if the roles were switched and the female was performing oral sex on the male, the film would have received an R rating. Peace. I mean, I think there's a double standard, you know. 
think that uh, if there's a violence involved with the sexuality towards women, the MPAA seems to consider it entertainment, you know? And then if there's love involved with the sexuality, it's uh, pornographic, you know? Whether they're intentionally doing it or not, they're controlling the way that women are perceived sexually. And uh, it seems to be a double standard because there's lots of oral sex scenes towards men that get R ratings. But uh, the fact that it's a woman on the receiving end of it, suddenly it's pornographic. Perfect. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And thank you, Ryan, for your service to the act of cunnilingus. Hashtag Amy firmly believes that Ryan Gosling needs pussy and is very good at it and enjoys it. And I would like to give myself up as a fellow comrade of cunnilingus and say, sir, come to my house. Thank you. Ryan, Kevin Bacon is proud of you. We're just moving right along. There are so many steamy love scenes out there. Back to steamy. Peen not included. Steamy. Peen not included. Steamy. Peen not included. <laughs> All right, so I'm starting us off with a trilogy. A trilogy. Mm-hmm. Fifty Shades of Grey. And I know you're like, Amy, these are not good movies. I will never say they are. I'll never say these books are good. This story that swept the nation, which you had never seen until more recently. I had you watch them. That was fun. It was fun. The first movie, they're like, this is a serious movie. And then the second movie, they're like, we need to lighten this up. This is stupid. (laughs) And they show less nudity. And then you get your third movie that involves a vile scene of vanilla ice cream melting all sticky in his pubes. And she's licking this melted Ben and Jerry's vanilla ice cream out of his pubic hair. I wanted to vomit. Don't, don't put fucking dairy products in your pubes and expect me to go downtown. No, thank you. It's still saucy. It's still steamy. But I have a grievance that Jamie Dorn, who plays Christian Grey, only shows neck, which I honestly feel like is more vulgar to show the neck of your penis instead of the whole shebang, when Dakota Johnson literally shows everything. My temptation is always just to try to make Dakota laugh. So sometimes I'll do things like when there's a moment where I'm meant to, you know, orgasm, I'll be like, do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> Jamie Dornan fucks. Like, I'm into that man. Top two pits. Top oh, two pits. really? He may be number one. He may beat Nick Jonas as far as my favorite pits ever. Wow. Jamie Dornan's pits fuck. He was a model before he made these movies, and he showed his pits a lot. He shows his pits outside, in the bathtub. I just wrote down I need to find a, a pit guy calendar for you for next nice. year's Christmas day. Nice. I would love it. Moving on. <laughs> I have um, two James Spader movies. Okay. Because James Spader. Mm, um, we have Crash, which is like fucking next to car accidents. Fucking people who've been in car accidents. Is that Cronenberg? It's Cronenberg. Okay. So there's body horror. So you have James Spader like licking medical gashes oh. that were caused from car crashes. Spader tongues the gash. You also have Elias Cotius, who is fucking Casey Jones, who was like my first like, oh, hello, Casey, Casey Jones. Jones. Fuck! Yes. So, and there's a scene in this movie where they're in a car. He's fucking James Spader's wife, and he is just like gripping her thigh. And I'm like, hello. It's hot. 
And then you have Secretary. Oh, yeah. Which is about a power play between Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Spader. It fucks. It does. And she is the submissive and she is into it. And there's this scene where she has made these errors and he makes her read her letter, Dear Mr. Garvey. And he just... (gasps) Oh, God. Over and over. I have it. Let's hear it. Dear Mr. Garvey, I am grateful to you for referring me to your case. The subject of animal captivity has been of interest to me. That's the great we want. Yeah. Christian Grey can go whoop-a-doo, whoop-a-doo. Give me some spader spanking. Ah! Give it to me. I rewatched it, and, like, Secretary's a comedy, too. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a comedy that fucks, it's right? It's funny as yeah. fuck. It's so funny. Amy, guess what time it is? What time is it? It's time for Dingling Call-Ins. <laughs> Where we don't call out, but call in. Actors whose peens we have yet to see on screens. Amy, who would you like to call in? I originally was going to go with James Spader, because he has teased us all these years, never shown it. But I I think at this point, I would take a step back, and I don't need to see blacklist James Spader's penis. <laughs> and I'm I'm going to call in Jamie. You, you Jamie. titillated us with the neck. I'm calling in Jamie Dorn. Jamie, show me your pits and your dick. And Molly, how about you? I want to see the Terminator's penis. All right. No. <laughs> Not Arnold, just the T-1000. There are theories out there. I've read these. Okay, that, yeah. Tell that me. the Terminator doesn't have a penis. That he's like oh. a Barbie down there because oh. why would they need it? The ejaculation would destroy any womb that also wasn't a Cyberdyne Systems model. <laughs> so, right, okay. Okay, just kidding. Um, I don't want to see that. How about, I mean, Crybaby. God, that movie. Like, almost every dude in that movie is hot unless they're supposed to not be hot. Right. I mean, even Iggy Pop's hot in that. Oh my god. Fuck it. Sort I'd of. fuck that weird old uncle in his bathtub. So it's the Terminator versus Crybaby for all right, me. All right, all right. Why is it that I don't want to actually see the actor's penis? Because, like, maybe I respect them a little too much. But the characters, yeah, like, give me Crybaby's penis. That was Dangling Collins, where I hope they never hear these. <laughs> Let's No, Jamie Jordan, hear me out. I just want you to feel liberated enough to be a champion of equity and show us your dick. I don't mind if Jamie Dorton hears me saying that I want to see his dick in pits. Mm. And if he was like, hey, random woman in Omaha, Nebraska, let me slide into your DMs, I would not turn it away. Moving on. We're going to set up another peen scene. Another peen scene? Another peen scene. Setting up the peen scene. Let's set up the peen scene. I wonder whose cock is it going to be this time. Director and writer Francis Lee meticulously set this next peen scene with cinematographer Joshua James Richards on a working farm. We see two men sitting comfortably on the soft floor of the barn, sun glowing, one wearing nothing and one in nothing but a sweater, their legs intertwined. They're comfortable and relaxed and talk about the spring, a new season. God's Own Country was released in 2017. The film is a look inside tough guy Johnny, played by Josh O'Connor. Johnny works on his family farm in Yorkshire. He has a routine. Wake, wretch, milk, farm, drink, maybe fuck a cute boy in the back of a cable truck, maybe not. 
blackout, repeat. Angry Johnny is all spit and dirt until sad hot boy Georgi, played by Alex Secareno, shows up to work on the farm during the busy season of the sheep giving birth. Johnny resists the connection, and when Giorgio gives Johnny a new perspective and some salt for his cup of noodle, he is forever changed. This film is not rated. It's not rated, but Amazon, when they released this movie, cut significant amounts of it out of their sex scenes, their penis scenes. And even the first time I saw it, which I think was on Netflix, it also did not have the extended amount of the sex scenes that there were. Another reason not to trust Amazon. Don't trust Jeff Bezos. He's stealing beautiful dick from you. Yeah. And not even telling anyone. Like, it's not even, if you rent the movie, they're not like, hey, we cut out all the dicks. Right. They're just presenting it as if it were what the director wanted. Right. And the director purposefully went with an unrated movie. That's bullshit. Right. The penis scene, 48 minutes in, the movie's 144 minutes total. And the purpose of the peen, we think, is best said by Josh O'Connor himself. Ray Francis told the story. You're on Johnny's shoulder from the beginning to the end of the film. As an audience, we're given the privilege of being the third person in that relationship. And so to kind of get to the what is a huge part of a relationship, i.e. sex, to, like, shut a door... I think you'd be so distant and feel so unengaged. It's also an amazing tool for showing where Johnny is. Like, the first time he kisses is during a sex scene. Their first sexual encounter is, like, a, an aggressive... Yeah, they're literally in the mud. I mean, yeah. It's, like, it's about... so unhygienic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very animalistic as well. I think it's very important, essentially, and I can't imagine that film without it. I wouldn't want to do a film without it, I think. It's beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful love stories I've ever seen. I don't think that you could have made this movie with a man and a woman or two women. No. I think this is very a very specific love story to men. And because of the violence, yeah. like the sex and the violence, where their first contact, not even their first sexual contact, but their first time that they ever touched each other was violent. I will fuck with you. Yeah, and then the second was almost a tender moment because he, like, grabs his hand, giving him, like, a healing touch. Yeah. And then the third contract, I wrote jaw-dropping, dirty, violent, oral. He goes to, like, fuck him, and he's like, no, you know what, fine. I'm just going to give you the most ravenous fucking blowjob you've ever had in your life in this mud. You can just hear, like, how hungry he is for this dick. It's a long scene, Mm -hmm. which was completely cut from the Amazon. Mm -hmm. The Amazon shows him going down there, doing a little, like, grunting, and it's over. Like, no, this man is ravenous like that is the most like accurate word i can have for it yeah i have never seen some of the things in this movie they were on a working farm and they delivered little lambs yeah they like we saw a lot of creatures being born and coming out of other animals and like my womb was trying to burst with all these baby lambs running around. Right. And there was a part in the movie, I'm never going to forget this, ever in my life, where Giorgio finds this little tiny runt without a mother now. Like, I think mom died. And then this other mother who had a baby that was stillborn. So Giorgio takes the time to, like, skin the dead lamb, take the coat off, put it on the motherless baby lamb like it's a coat, and put that little lamb in the pen with the mom so the mom will think that it's her baby because it smells like her baby, so she'll take it in as one of her own. And in most instances, I would be completely grossed out by that, but I kept being like, 
he's making a little cult so that little yeah. baby will have a mom. And that was the first time that we saw Johnny smile in the movie. Yeah. At all. And it was beautiful. But it's we beautiful. also watched him skin a dead lamb. And I don't think I'll ever forget how that was used to show like a tender, hopeful moment. Yeah. Like, wow. Wow. And guess what? There's a bathtub scene in this movie. There is. Every movie is at a bathtub scene so far. And here's a little clip from the bathtub. How do you say farm? Ferma. How do you say sheep? Boy. How do you say cock? Cock. And we have to tell you that he has the biggest little grin on his face before he tells him how to say cock. That little smile that Georgi has, like the whole movie, he has these little smirks, these little smiles of, I'm on to you. Yeah. You are not who you are trying to be. And it, it like softens him, I think, even just seeing those little smiles. Yeah. I mean, the other part of the movie that's just glorious is when Giorgio takes him up to the top of that hill and literally gives him a new perspective on the landscape. Yeah. <laughs> on and things are going well. Yeah. And then Johnny's inner saboteur comes out. Angry Johnny fucks it up. Like any story, there's always that self-sabotage moment where you're just like, I don't deserve to have this happiness. Be right back. I'm going to go fuck a guy in the bathroom of this bar. Georgie is getting like hate crimed out in the bar and he goes in and he sees what's happening and he leaves. Johnny's like coming after him and he's like, what are you doing? And he's just pretty much like, fuck you. Yeah, he leaves, leaves. You just asked me to make a big life change with you. And the moment you have any bit of conflicting anything, you fuck up. I was so tense throughout the whole movie because so many queer love stories are presented with tragedy in them. Watching this movie again would be a completely different experience because I could let go of that tension knowing that it has a happy ending. And then he tells him... I don't want to be a fuck up anymore. I want to be with you. And that's what I need to say. We get a happy fucking ending. A happy ending. Nobody had to quit anybody. Nobody had to quit anybody. Brokeback Mountain is beautiful. It's just as beautiful. Even the, the scenery. Peens. The peen scenes. There is a peen There's scene. There's a peen scene. It is Heath Ledger's penis that you see a little teeny weensy bit when they're jumping off a cliff. It is yeah. not Jake Gyllenhaal's. I don't even know if it involved the nudity aspect of it. I think he was just like, I don't want to jump off this fucking cliff. Okay. So he had a body double. Not on the level of Titanic, but I did see Brokeback in theaters four times in the first two weeks it came out. (laughs) And I fucking cry my eyes out every time. And I've read the book. The book is only like 57 pages. And the monologues are word for word. Everything is exactly the same. But in the end, they have to quit each other. And we don't get that happy ending. And I'm so thankful that Francis Lee gave me the country boy happy ending I deserved. Thank you, Francis Lee. Oh, Check this out. Josh talks about a happy ending. Were you surprised, and I ask this because I was, were you surprised that the film had such a happy ending? Yeah, but happily surprised. I mean, I'm a sucker for it, and so is Francis. And I think, actually, I very strongly believe that we should have more hope in film and in art in general. And I think it's a real crying shame that we don't, and especially in queer cinema where we very often um, have themes of 
depression or sadness or illness or, or repression. Yeah, yeah. And that this was a film where we're not commenting on that and that we're commenting on hope. And in a time where politically and in society we're struggling to eke out any sort of remnants of hope, it's quite nice, I think, to see that in screen. I think the age of just showing how awful it is to be gay is kind of, we're past that now, and, you know, we had Brokeback Mountain. But there's, and there's a place for that, of course. There's 100% a place yeah. for that. But I think, right, there's a place for this as well. Yeah, yeah. but I think, you know, the, there's been so many great queer films this year, and I think because there's been more of them, each of them has less of a burden yeah. to do the story. Yeah. And you've got um, very conservative ones with very little sex, then you've got this, which is fairly steamy. What do you think their future was? I think that they continued with the sheep and Georgi got to make the cheese and that they went to farmer's markets and they sold their cheese and it was just wonderful and they got to just be fun and they probably still wrestled in the mud. There was still probably time for that. Oh, there was still spit and dirt. I only want good stuff for them. We do need more hope in movies. We need more people falling in love with themselves. I found this really cool thing of the director, Francis Lee, talking about how queer cinema isn't just queer cinema anymore. I think this year has been an absolute incredible year for queer stories in films that are being taken seriously as crossover films. So you have God's Own Country, Call Me By Your Name, Moonlight won the Oscar. There's a great independent American movie doing really well called Beach Rats. Um, there's Fantastic Woman, a trans story that did very well in Berlin. There's BPM that, that did incredibly well at Cannes. You know, for all of those films to resonate and, and stand up as pieces of cinema that, that are for everybody, not just for a niche. We need to redefine what people think love is. Yeah. Like, I fucking love you. I love... I love you too. All of my friends. I love, like, different experiences. I can be romantic with my friends. I can buy you flowers. I can take yeah. you out. And you can put time and love into things with people you're not fucking. For so long, like, people are just like, romance and love, it's for your mate, and that's who you put all your love and your effort into. And right. it's like, no, like, I want to love a spectrum. That's nurturing myself. Filling your cup with yeah. multiple loves. And you know what else fills my cup? Steamy pee not included. Oh, steamy pee not included. This is a juicy steamy pee. This is not a man necessary love. Yeah, you know what? This is one for the femme. Femme steamy pee not even anywhere. Take that dick out of here. We have Ammonite which is Francis Lee's second movie. It's beautiful. This movie shows what happens when you let people choreograph with consent. And so both actresses were able to choreograph all of their intimate scenes. They decided when the first kiss was going to be between these women, when the touches were necessary to show the intimacy, and how they were going to fuck. And the way they were going to fuck was Sarsha riding Kate Winslet's fucking face. Wow. And there was Gleam. A woman needs to go to sea because she is not doing well in her daily life. And she goes to the sea and she finds Kate Winslet and Kate Winslet is like, hey, I fuck. <laughs> I eat pussy. I eat pussy. And they fall for each other. But this does not have the most happiest of endings. Oh no. It has a kind of open ending. There's an age difference. And it's kind of like, I've set some stuff in motion for you. Fly, little gay bird, fly. Sure. Then we move on to Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which got this fucking right. It doesn't even have, like, graphic fucking, 
but it has fucking longing. There is so much longing between these women. There are little tiny touches between these women. There is, I'm going to see the softness in the hardness you show everyone. There is a scene where all of these women are using mirrors to look at their fucking vaginas because oh. they're liberating themselves by learning about their bodies. Scandalous. It's it's fucking hot. This movie's hot. Like, I'm not <laughs> gonna say it's not. Oof. It's good. It's good. Blue is the Warmest Color is our last movie in this steamy peanut included section. Yes. We both had fun experiences at the movie theater with this movie. I saw it with a group of lesbians. After the movie, there is some scissoring. So they were like, you know, oh, fine, we fucking scissor sometimes. Cool, whatever. (laughs) But that is the driest fucking pussy eating I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, she is down there for a while, comes up, matte finish. Unrealistic. Because this movie was made... By a man. By a man. By a man. At the time this movie came out, I was working in an art house theater and we were showing this movie. And the mission of this art house theater is to promote discussion using film as the art form. So I was responsible for answering like customer service phone calls at this art house theater. And I got this phone call one day from this old man. Old man. Who was very upset that we were showing this movie because it was pornography. Like, upset. I just sat back in my chair and like put my feet up on my desk and had a conversation with this man. And I was like, sir, listen, I respect and admire that you have boundaries and that you have thoughts about what this is. And I am asking you to respect that at our place of business, we are presenting this film as a work of art for the purpose of having conversations about the art. And you are proving our mission correct by calling me today to voice your displeasure at this art because this is helping you to understand where you stand on things. When you become outraged, it just enforces a boundary for you. And I'm so glad we could provide that to you. (laughs) It was just a great phone call because he just wanted to be heard, right? I was like, I'm not gonna fix this for you. We're gonna continue to show this film. Thank you so much for believing in our mission and for calling to tell me this. It was fantastic. I love it. We want to tell you all about some of the romance movies that did not make the cut. This is the Lorraine and Bobbitt section. Didn't make the cut. On the chopping block. These were the four bad movies that we didn't deep dive, but we watched because there's peen. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Molly. They get to enjoy a Amy watched this so you didn't have to moment. Yes! All right, so the movie is Carried Away. Our cast, we have Dennis Hopper, Amy Irving, Amy Locaine. Who made out with Crybaby. Yes. And then we have Gary Busey, who is Amy Locaine's father. We don't see Gary Busey's dick, do we? We do not. Thank God. We have a monologue. He is standing in front of Amy Irving, and he says, I'd like to fuck you with all the lights on. I'd like to do everything I ever thought of. I'm tired of fucking you in the dark on Friday and Sunday nights and sometimes on Wednesday. Look at me. I'm 47 years old, and I've never fucked you in the daylight, let alone seen the ocean. And he starts stripping. He takes all of his clothes off, and he's standing in front of her completely naked. She goes and gets a drink. And while she's in there, she's like, you know what? Fuck it. And she takes her clothes off, and she's down to bra and underwear. She walks into the room, and he's like, take it all off. And she does. And they look at each other warmly, and they're both standing there. Both actors are completely naked. It is like a good 30 second scene of them just standing there in the moment, in the daylight, all their imperfections of age showing. 
Then they have sex on the floor in the full light. We see them having sex. No old person has sex on the floor. Well, no. Never. Especially one with a limp. How's he going to get back no. up? I did read that this was a more graphic scene oh. that was cut down, and they didn't keep it at its length that it was. It was actually more like real time frame, but it was cut down maybe because of ratings or maybe just because they were like, nobody wants to watch Dennis Hopper fuck this long. <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. Thank you for watching that so I didn't have to. You're welcome. All right, so I understand that you watched another movie that didn't make the cut called Close My Eyes. I watched... 36 minutes of it? So I didn't read the synopsis. You read the synopsis read the and synopsis. you knew what that movie was going to be. I didn't. All you knew was that Clive Owen's peen. Yes. It's a story of incest and cheating on Alan Rickman with your brother. Who happens to be Clive Owen. Yeah. There was like a scene where I finally was like, oh, okay, I can't. Where he was like, it's kind of funny that we didn't even like each other when we were kids. Like, right after they got done fucking, and I was like, I'm done. I don't know where, like, I don't care where this is going. I didn't even see Clive Owen's penis because I just said, no, thank you. Okay. Well, thanks for trying to watch that. I tried. So that I don't have to. And you watched something that I didn't have to watch. I did. Uh, I watched the movie Breathless. The remake of the French movie I said I watched when I was younger. Right. (laughs) With Richard Gere. My one word synopsis. Mm Mm-hmm. Ew. 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 Elaborate uh, a little on the ew. This, the man that he plays, like, he does not listen to women at all. He fancies himself God's gift to women. But he, he shoots a cop. And it's supposed to be like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. But he, <laughs> and then he's on the run from the law. And he goes to find this girl that he had a one night stand with in Vegas. And she's busy living her life. She's in school. We believe she's thriving. And he completely disrupts the presentation that she's giving by harassing her. He, like, ridicules and sabotages her ambition and educational efforts. He goes to her house, breaks in, takes a shower in her apartment, (laughs) and while he's in the shower, that's where we see the peen, um, is, like, him dancing around naked in the shower with the shower door open, getting water all over the bathroom floor. Okay? Fuck this guy. He doesn't clean up after himself. It's so unrealistic, and I'm sorry, but there's one point where they're fucking in the shower and they break the shower door, and my immediate thought was, this man is not going to help you fix your shower door. <laughs> like, fuck that guy. That movie sucked. Thank uh, you. Thank you for doing that for me. Yeah. Thank you. And the last movie that did not make the cut that we have to talk about... That we did talk about a little bit in our first episode. Totally clips. We all know that Leo can't do accents, right? That's not a thing he does well. We know that. We've embraced it. We've moved on. Yeah. In this film, he plays a... A European poet. A European poet who falls in love with David Thewlis, who is older than him and married. Yeah. And they have... Like, they do it a lot. Yeah. There's... There's cum face. I mean, not cum on the face. No. But we see, like, the... Do you have any sort of older mentors that you look at? Plenty of people. I like Gary Oldman a lot. I think Gary Oldman's really good. I like, you know, Pacino, Hoffman. I like... Oh, God, David Thewlis. (laughs) He's gonna laugh at that. 
They yeah. bray like sheep together in a field. There's yeah. a lot of like them being free and wild with each other. Yeah. But then like the reality of life pops in here and there where they have to have like serious moments and Leo gets to cry. He has yeah. a crying scene. Is he legend? Is he what? Is he legend? What is legend? Are you a legend? Oh really? Yes. Yeah, suppose I am. <laughs> it's it's worth the watch. But it's... And the fact that I had to order this from Korea because Leonardo DiCaprio was like, don't ever watch this movie. Yeah. You and I both, being Leo fans, when we came across this movie, it was like, I've never seen this movie. No. Never even heard of this movie. And it's around the same time that he made The Basketball Diaries, which yeah. we were both thirsty for. Right. But yeah. there's no way our local video store probably had it because they were just like, shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. I don't want to do this show anymore. Shut it down. And I will say, because of that movie, Leonardo DiCaprio got penis shamed, which we are not condoning. Yeah. Perhaps that robbed us of him ever doing any other nude scenes because somebody had to make a comment about the size of his penis when he was like 20. And he's up on a rooftop, so you can't even tell. It's like rooftop, night, cold outside, naked. And the size is not the matter. No. That's something we want to make clear of this is that... Never in this are we going to be like, ha, 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 look at your tiny penis. Because no, Mm-mm. we're not We're not those kind of people. This is art. Yeah. This is the presentation of peen as art yeah. on screen. Like, yeah. there is a purpose for art. There's yeah. a purpose for the peen. Yeah. And this movie made us laugh a lot. We're talking about romance movies. There's a whole subgenre of romance, the rom-com. And there's a reason that none of our movies fit into that genre because you don't see dicks in rom-coms. No, not in your just like everyday guy gets gal. How many rom-coms do you think that you've watched in your life, dude? Oh, in your life. So many. At least like a hundred. I mean, if not more. Out of all of those rom-coms, how many had a dick in it? None. Other than this movie I found because I was searching out Robert Downey Jr. for you. And found that he did a movie where he's in his underwear a lot. Okay. And then I found out that that movie also had penises in it. And originally I was like, maybe that can be one of our front runner movies. Until I saw it. It's called Friends and Lovers. Friends so and I'm Lovers. Gonna I've never even up. heard of Friends and Lovers. Oh, no, there's a reason. It made $36,000 box office opening weekend. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to set up your cast for you. Here. All right. We have Stephen Baldwin. Okay. Extreme Sports for Jesus, Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> We have Danny Nucci, a.k.a. Fabrizio. Fabrizio. We have George Newborn, who is the voice of Theodore Rex, which is like the fever dream childhood movie that I tell people about. And they're like, Amy, I never saw a buddy cop movie between a dinosaur and Whoopi Goldberg. But I have. And it is voiced by George Newborn. All right. We have Susan Cryer of Two Guys, A Girl, and a Pizza Place. Neil Barry, who wasn't in anything that matters, but he wrote this movie and he's the one that shows his penis. And then we have Leon. It's an actor who used to have more to his name, but he goes strictly by Leon now. He's he was hot. in he was Russell in Waiting to Exhale. And he also played Little Richard in a made for TV biopic. He's in Oz. And then <laughs> lastly, we have Carl from Succession. I don't know that actor's <gasps> name, it doesn't matter, but it's Carl from Succession. Okay. Robert Downey Jr., I must tell you now, also has a very 
I'm Zwei Drive here, I'm German. I drive a German car. Like, he's, it's bad. Okay. Oh, I forgot to tell you, Claudia Schiffer's in this. Sorry. Oh, nice. There's this talk that Stephen Baldwin has about nipples, and he believes that from the top of your lip to the bottom of your lip tells you how long your nipples are. And he believes that Claudia Schiffer has at least an inch and a half to two inch long nipples. And he's not grossed out by that. He's into it. So then they're talking about um, one of the girl's brother having a really long penis. All the girls come out and the guys are out and they're like, we should get in the hot tub naked. And long? they're like, yeah, we should get in the hot tub naked. I'm going to say that long is different than big. Yeah. Okay. They Keep going. Yeah. The one that shows his dick is like, well, I'll go first. And he pulls his pants down and the girls start screaming. Oh my God, it's so big. Ew, it's, no. it's gigantic. Gross. And they run away screaming. Wait, these are grown ladies. These are grown this ladies. It's not like a teenage no, hot tub situation. No, they're all like over the age of 21. I mean, I've wanted to run away seeing a guy's penis before. I am understandable. Yeah. Then Stephen Baldwin's like, way to go. You scared the girls away. And he just does a like, well, I don't know. It's just my dick. <laughs> yeah. Fabrizio is gay. He's the gay token friend. Okay. He's like shooting his gay shot with Leon. And then Leon's like, I'm not gay. And they have a homoerotic snowball fight where they're pelting each other in the <laughs> dick with snowballs. Like, oh. And then Leon kisses him. <gasps> they have like a little moment. And then Leon shoves him and goes, why do you have to be so gay? And I was like, wait, you just kissed, like, you initiated the kiss, but no homo? Okay, it's a rom-com. Yeah. You know, it's a rom-com when there's no homo. Everybody gets laid in this movie except for Stephen Baldwin. Robert Downey Jr. comes back, and he's like, here I am again! Does he further the plot at all? No. Do we it's, see his butt? Yeah, and it's the Ooh. clenching thrust butt. Oh. Of the, like, eh! Oh. And that's that movie that wasn't very good. Thanks for watching it so I'd never have to. I find romantic comedies detestable. Rom-coms are just super gaslighty. Oh, yeah. <gasps> those like mid-teen thousands, I'm a man-child but love me, no. I can't. No, 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 no. no. I do not fuck with any Sarah Jessica Parker rom-com, Matthew McConaughey rom-com. Yeah. No, thank you. I will do a Renee Zellweger rom-com. I will do a Paul Rudd rom-com. And I will do a Jennifer Aniston rom-com. I like Miles Teller. Miles Teller has made awful rom-coms. He has. Because he plays the dude bro who won't grow up, that will fart in your face and think, like, that's how I show my love. He was in The Spectacular Now where he's I a drunk hated and that the girl movie. is still, It was still terrible. Like, I really liked that Jenny Slate Obvious Child yes. rom-com. I think that rom-coms are changing again where it's, like, these are women-oriented rom-coms. Yeah. Like, realistic women or realistic situations, or men showing up and doing the work, such as in Obvious Child. And I think modern rom-coms are doing better with that. Like, now we just need more penis. When you were like, Amy, I don't like rom-coms, and yeah. I'm like, but Molly, have you ever watched a raunch-com? The raunch-com. The victim's penis was found behind the AC unit. Ouch. Can you say, Dixico? Let's do this. Okay, yeah, I'm ready. The victim's penis was found behind the AC unit. <laughs> so Molly, tell us about our first raunch gong. Y'all already know, it's 2008, the movie's Forgetting Sarah Marshall. 
director Nicholas Stoller with writer and star Jason Segel. I didn't love this movie. Like, neither one of us loved this movie. I know a lot of people out there love this movie. And I don't. I really didn't either. I mean, we gotta talk about the penis. Yeah. That's, like, the only thing I really have a comment on. (laughs) The The dick, Jason Segel, I think, like, mainly probably why he wanted to put out there, because that dude's got some hang. Mm Mm-hmm. His hog has some girth. Got some flesh dang. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a girthy hog. Even the doctor in the movie told him he had a good looking dick. Yeah, yeah. So, good for you for putting it out there. Movie starts with a dick out, getting his heart broken, ends with telling the woman he loves, he loves her with his dick out. Yeah. He's being vulnerable. Bada bing, bada boom. There's another sad blowjob in this movie. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And something else that we really laughed at being from Omaha, Nebraska, is that Paul Rudd is in this movie and I I find his character to be absolutely annoying. Uh, Same with Jonah Hill. It's the most cringe Jonah Hill I've ever seen. They're they're at this island bar and like 311 is playing. Yeah. 311's from Omaha and it's playing in this movie and we're just like, oh my god. Paul Rudd's character would love 311. Of course he would. Yeah. He's that kind of guy. Totally. Uh, And the movie ends with a prison rape joke. Good times. Great. That's fucking 2008. That's that's what they love. Woo! Let's go to the next one. Fuck that movie. You're too big to fit in here. Too big to fit in here. Too big to fit in here. (laughs) My pick for this uh, is The Sweetest Thing, which there is a peen scene. This is about women who do not want to find love. They're just out playing the field. They're having a good time. This movie has Christina Applegate. It has Selma Blair and it has Cameron Diaz. At one moment, Selma Blair is giving a blowjob to her boyfriend who has a Prince Albert and his Prince Albert gets hooked behind her tonsils and they are connected dick to mouth. Oh my God. And the the EMTs, firefighters, everyone shows up and they're like, you have to relax your jaw. Everybody sings, I don't want to miss a thing from Armageddon to get her to relax her vocal cords to let go of his dick. So this is like female-led raunchy comedy. Yeah. Which doesn't get to happen very often. Yeah. So they go on a road trip and they're in a bathroom. So Cameron Diaz is sitting on the toilet and she sees this yellow brick road drawn and she's like singing to herself like, follow the yellow brick road, follow the yellow brick road. The yellow brick road leads her to a glory hole that she sticks her eye in and you pretty much get someone that's like, yoo-hoo! And a dick comes out of the glory hole, hits her in the eye. She flings backwards, hits the sink, water spraying everywhere. (laughs) The women are shrieking, soaking wet. She's yelling about having dick in her eye. Yes. It's a great women-led raunch con. And then I also introduced you to our next one. I cannot believe that I made it this many years into my life without seeing this movie, especially because I was super into this director and I've seen all of his movies multiple times, but I missed this one. Zack and Mary make a porno. Zack and Mary make a fucking what porno. What the fuck? We know that Jason, Jason went full frontal and forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, I wasn't, I, I do not show my dick in this movie. As soon as I saw him show his dick, I was like, oh fuck, now I gotta show my dick. If I want to stay a, a comedic actor now, right. dick is in. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hold off on that for as long as possible. <laughs> but guess who does? Oh, guess who does? Yeah, Jason Mewes. He's your roommate, and he's just walking around with his peen out. 
Uh, it was planned, but I don't think it was planned uh, that way. I, I think he was thinking, and he really never thought about it. And I, but I assume when I read the script that it'd be one of those gags where I walked out and there was a table there, or I was holding a, you know, a watermelon or something in front of my junk. I wasn't sure really how it was going down until two days before we were going to shoot it. I asked him, and uh, he was like, "Well, I was thinking uh, about doing it just full frontal, just walking out naked." And I was like, ah, "I don't know." And mainly I just didn't know because my family watches the movies and my wife's family and you know, I didn't know if I wanted them to see that. I don't know, we talked about it, we did both. We did a couple takes of me like the way it's shot in the movie and then uh, me covering up uh, a different t couple takes just in case. Because my thought was if it works and it was funny for me to be naked then of course leave it in. But if it didn't work and it didn't matter if I was naked or not naked then why be naked and worry about family seeing it. So, but it worked, so we left it in. It was such a cute movie. And it is it is a full rom-com. It's yeah. a rom-com made by Kevin Smith. So, of course, it's going to be raunchy. Of course, it's going to be awkward. Of course, Seth Rogen is going to have a <laughs> laugh a lot. For me, the top thing, which a lot of you maybe are going to be like, Amy, really? But Justin Long. Justin Long. Justin Long. Brandon uh, is the star of such adult fare as, what was that one called again? You better shut your mouth or I'm going to fuck it. That's right. I'm surprised I forgot that. Justin Long also introduced me to the phrase cum dumpster. Thank you, Justin Long. I never thought you would have made it into my uh, letterbox topped watch actors last year, but you did. And I have a weird feeling you're going to be up there again somehow. Maybe show us your dick so you can get on this podcast, Justin Long. We're just moving right along. There are so many steamy love scenes out there. Back to steamy peen not included. Steamy. Peen not included. Steamy. Peen not included. <laughs> Gotta bring back our boy. Titanic has a super steamy peen not included. All the steam. Kate Winslet. Put your hands on me, Jack. He can't even do it himself. She has to take his fucking hand and put it on her titty. And then they go. And like, yeah, there's the steam and the hand and like, mm. that was an awakening. Another Leo movie, I think steamy, peen not included, is The Beach. Leonardo DiCaprio and Tilda Swinton have a sex scene rolling around fucking like rabbits. And she's like ordering him around. Go back to the room. I'd like to fuck again after breakfast or whatever she says. Yeah. Her line is better than that, but. That shit was steamy. I haven't watched Tilda Swinton fuck enough, and mm. I think that maybe that's my 2023 goal. Because oh. I feel like she will demand what she wants. Yes. You got one? I watched this movie, Center of the World, because I like Peter Sarsgaard. The only thing I can tell you about this movie is that Peter Sarsgaard discovers what fire and ice is. <laughs> The last one for this segment, I know that there's a lot of spoilers out there and I'm not going to give them. Because I, I haven't watched it yet. Amy has not watched it yet, but the third episode of The Last of Us was the best love story I've seen in ages. I don't think it would have been better with Peen, so that's a thing. Yeah. But it was beautiful, and that's all I'm going to say about that until you watch it and then we can talk about it. I do want to bring up with The Last of Us that, like, to tell you, dear listeners, why we are not including TV so far in these conversations. We have an episode that will only be television series based in August, so we're going to talk about all the TV, all the HBO, all the everything. All right, Amy, yeah. <clears throat> let's play Fuck, fuck Mary Kill. Kill. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to fuck Michael Pitt because I'm going to fuck Michael Pitt. <laughs> I want to marry Johnny and Georgi. I want to be in a thruple, and I want to kill Jonah Hill and everybody else in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. 
I'm not even going to participate because I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> like, my dream life is to be in a throuple with gay men, or at least bisexual men, that love each other just as much as they like me. So me and Johnny and Georgie, yeah. I will run the farmer's market booth yeah. and sell the cheeses while they just fuck in the mud at home. That's I want some baby lambs. They can I give just... me massages. One of them can fuck me for some... Both of them can fuck me, but they can love fucking each other more than Absolutely. me. Absolutely. And I'll be fine with it. Everyone but Paul Rudd. You're going to kill Paul Rudd? Now? I'm going to kill Paul Paul Rudd in this movie? In yeah. this movie? He was annoying. Yeah. Okay. Nope. Okay. I support everything you said. Everyone. Well, everyone, we want to spread open the conversation to you again. Dear listener, we want to hear about your favorite romance film. Peen or not, call us, leave us a voicemail, tell us about the romance movie you saw, how it made you feel, did it change your life? surprise you the phone number is 402-807-3080 we might feature these messages in upcoming episodes and we want to keep the dawn of the dong spirit going we still want to hear about your first picture show prick so call us tell us about the first and most memorable mainstream movie you saw with a tube steak and how that made you feel that number again is 402-807-3080 Join us next month for award-winning Wang. We will discuss the Wangs that have won awards. <laughs> Tour de Dong was created by Amy and Molly and features original music by Eric Elworth. This song is called Doin' It and can be found on Eric's SoundCloud page. Search for Eric Elworth, E-L-W-O-R-T-H, and tell him how much you love him. Check us out on the socials, if that's your thing. Instagram is at tour.day.dong.podcast and it's facebook.com slash tourdedong. We want to thank Ben's Game Zone and thrift stores all over our city for meeting our VHS and DVD ding-dong needs. Yeah, I can't laugh. <laughs> it hurts so bad. <laughs> they be lonely, Ben. I love <coughs> don't you? Don't you? Are we good? It's soft and it's hard! <laughs> <laughs> Something about that will work out for this podcast. Boopity doo doo doo. Hey!